Welcome to the Later in Life Planning Show with Patrick Colley, brought to you by Keystone Elder Law, right here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, here's your host, Patrick Colley. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Colley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law, and I'm your host on this show. You know, and I've been taking a step back and looking at the the last 30 or so episodes of the show, and I want to put things in perspective. If you have listened to previous episodes of this show, you might have listened to episode six with Dr. Rollin Wright from Hershey Medical Center explaining what happens to the brain of a person who has dementia. You might have heard episode seven with Dr. Raj Dave, a cardiovascular expert known around the world for uh, especially his expertise in peripheral artery disease, and he was talking about all the complications that arise from cardiovascular disease, including losing limbs and the things you can do to prevent that. In episode 10, we heard from Jill Lazar at Hoffman Funeral Home in Carlisle, explaining all the facets of funeral planning and the benefits of doing this in advance. Episodes 12 and 14 included artists senior living in Lemoyne and Country Meadows retirement communities throughout central Pennsylvania, giving a window into what memory care is like and what living in a supportive environment is like. We heard from Lauren Smeltzer in episode 16 discussing hospice care and palliative care, and we heard in episode 25 from Katie Martz, a physical therapist from Fox Rehab, talking about the huge impact that accidental falls can have and how to prevent those. Just last week, we heard from the Alzheimer's Association with all of the the facts and the emerging diagnostic tools and treatments for Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. If you haven't noticed, I focus a lot on a certain theme. That theme is that there are many ways your health can decline in the later years of life. So why do I go into all of that? Why wouldn't I just talk about, you know, the the, the law? Because I'm an elder law attorney. Keystone Elder Law helps people plan way in advance of, of any sort of incapacitating event uh, for asset protection, for have a legal plan if you do become incapacitated. Have a plan for when you're gone is, is so that what you have gets distributed to the people you love the way you want, when you want. But but why do I focus so much on all of these health issues? Because building a shield to protect yourself from the challenges of getting older is not just a legal matter. It's not just a financial matter. It's not just a health matter. It's all of these things. It's knowing all of the different ways you can be planning and I think that all of this is is not only relevant, but but critically important for people who are going into the later years of life, knowing about all of these resources. But focusing on the health, I mean, the health and the legal go hand in hand because, you know, I think it, it comes down to knowing what you're planning for. I'll tell you, I do these regular online workshops. It's a webinar. And you can get signed up for it if you go straight to KeystoneElderLaw.com and you use the workshops tab on the website. You click on it. You can pick the the webinar you want to take. There's one on estate planning and asset protection. There's one on how to pay for long-term care. Well, which one do you think more people sign up for? And by the way, that you might also get signed up if you see an ad on Facebook because we try to get the word out about this free education that we do. 
So I, I put an ad out there. And what gets the most likes by users of Facebook? And then what gets the most attendees? Well, it's the estate planning one, not the long-term care one. But I'm talking just as much in the estate planning workshop about cardiovascular disease and and dementia and all these other things leading to a higher level of care because that's a threat that is so predictable. If you listen to those other episodes, you'll know how common accidental falls are, how common dementia is, how common cardiovascular and peripheral artery disease is, and all of it heads to the same place, which is a higher level of care, which costs a ton of money. It's going to burn through everything that you spent decades saving and and you probably didn't want it to go to uh nursing home care you probably didn't want it to go to uh uh you know buying a walker or a wheelchair and you most certainly did not envision the later years of your life uh losing your independence or your dignity so because i've seen so many clients who go through what is really a predictable experience where a loved one has dementia family member had a fall or a stroke, and now they're looking at a higher level of care. So they are are not only worried about their loved one's well-being, and they have health-related questions, and we have a nurse on staff at Keystone Elder Law just for that reason, but they're really worried about going into poverty because of the cost, because of these challenges in the later years of life. And so I every time that happens, I'm sort of Going back in my mind, if we could have seen them years earlier, how could we have built a shield to protect them from those costs? So inevitably, when I'm talking about the planning you can do well in advance of all of this happening, I'm going to get into these health issues and I want people to know about them because, look, if 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 you can can take care of your health and never, never uh, have an accidental fall— and never have a stroke or peripheral artery disease, if you can at least, I don't know, protect yourself a little bit from the ravages of cognitive decline, fine, then then you won't need this the kind of legal planning that I've put together for you. But I'd rather have that happen because it, you know, it, it puts stress on the whole family. So, I, going back to these Facebook ads and the, and the workshops I do, you know, you put out something about, you know, we're having this free workshop on uh, education about estate planning and, and you get comments on the Facebook ads like, oh, I've been meaning to do that. I really need to do that. Thank you so much for doing that. And there's just, you know, 50 likes on the ad and then 300 people will show up on a Wednesday evening. But you put one out about long-term care planning and people just sort of say, well, I, you know, if I get dementia, dementia, take me out and shoot me. Or, you know, well, I won't, you know, I won't know anything of what's going on, so I, I don't care so much about that. Or, or people just very flippantly uh, just, you know, make comments about it where they don't appreciate it as much, even though that's exactly what you're planning for when you do estate planning. So it, it just reveals people have no idea what this is all about they have they've not had a family member go through it they've not experienced it themselves and i hope they never do because they will change their tune they will be much more compassionate about that issue and they'll they'll start to see wow you really do need to plan legally and financially for these challenges of the later years of life and and so you know once we get the word out some more i'm hoping that there's an uptick in the number of people who want to learn more about the levels of care, how you pay for them, because 
inevitably I'm talking about that to people who want to talk about their will or their power of attorney. Well, we're going to talk about that, but those are just tools. You have to know what are we using these tools for. And if you've done estate planning work, so you've been to a lawyer, you uh, you drafted a will, power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney, maybe a trust. Well, that's not, that's not an exercise in just ticking boxes and saying, this is what adults do. I got it done. On to the next thing. It's your Your estate plan is nearly useless to you unless it anticipates threats and challenges that are going to come down the pike and hit you or someone else in the family, and it's going to stress the whole family financially, emotionally, and all the rest. It's Estate planning is an exercise in seeing the whole picture and knowing what can be done now to protect your hard-earned savings, to allow for seamless decision-making for you or for your spouse uh, if you become incapacitated. I say you or your spouse. I have people contacting me about their child who's heading off to college right now. And, uh, you know, they they figure, well, we're not allowed to talk to the doctor anymore now that the, the, the child is 18. Yeah, they need a power of attorney, too. They need a health care advance directive or, or you're not going to be able to make decisions for them anymore. And so it's just anticipating all the what ifs, the challenges, the things that could go wrong and backing up from that and making a plan. And every guest I've had on this show has been adding another piece to the puzzle, another way to beef up your shield, to make it stronger, to make it more robust, so that you've anticipated all the what-ifs down the road and you've built a way to protect against it. So that's, that's the whole point of this show. That's the whole point of the workshops that I do, is anticipating threats that I see all the time. And, and, you know, I'll talk, you know, when we come back after a break about some of the more specifics ways that I have educated myself, and, and then we'll get into the kind of planning that I guide people through once you know what these threats actually look like and you can back up and, and make more plans. So again, if you, if you are interested in learning and taking a much deeper dive into estate planning and what it should really do for you, how you're going to pay pay for various levels of long-term care, given that 70% of the population ends up needing a higher level of care. I mean, you you might want some protection against that. If there were a 70% chance of your house burning down and you, you didn't have homeowner's insurance, people would call you crazy, but most people have no plan for these challenges. More on that when I come back from a break. This is the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580. Now, more of the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm Patrick Cauley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law, and I'm your host here on this show. And the theme of what I'm talking about today is know what you're planning for. Know what you're planning for because. I can describe what I do in various ways, and and it gets different reactions, but the best way I've come up with uh, that doesn't sort of catch people off guard because they don't really know what goes into estate planning is I say I'm building a shield to protect you from the costs and challenges of getting older. And there, there are costs, and there are challenges, emotional challenges, financial challenges, you know, I, I take in information by listening to shows kind of like this one on my own all the time. And one of my favorites is a doctor 
by the name of Peter Atia, and he's an expert on, I think he had his training in surgery, but but quickly shifted, and he focuses really on longevity, and not just the the number of years in your life, but he likes to talk about the health span. So in other words, how, how many of those years are you actually independent? Are you thriving? Are you having good quality of life? He just had a book come out called Outlive the Science and Art of Longevity, and he has a podcast called The Drive, and I wish I could say he's my guest today, but maybe another time. Uh, still working on that. But Dr. Peter Atia is excellent because he goes through all of the, the most common uh, causes of death, cancer, metabolic diseases, maybe diabetes, neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, other dementias, Parkinson's. And Peter Atia emphasizes, what are the things you can be doing that are the best possible prevention mechanisms, the best medicine? Uh, And of course, he talks about screening. You know, he says, you know, there's no reason to die of colon cancer. There's no reason to die of prostate cancer because the detection that's available is so, it's so readily available and it's so easy to do that uh, you catch those things early enough and there's no reason why it should ever kill you. But but more than that, he he looks at all of these studies, and he's pretty good at, at putting into plain English all of these medical studies, looking at causes of mortality, and then backing up and what what is the best way to prevent these disease processes. And whether it's it's cancer, whether it's diabetes, dementia, he you know accidental falls, which which are, have a surprisingly high rate of mortality. Uh, just a, a, de- a detour into that. If you're older than 65 and you have an accidental fall, according to Peter Atia, the studies show that the chances of you dying in the next year after that fall are 30%. 30%. That's an astonishing number, especially if you're listening to this show in your 60s and you think you are far too young to die. Well, it's because you break a hip, you break a femur, and it's going to set in motion a number of, of problems. And so whether we're talking about uh, accidental falls or, or any of these other disease processes, Peter Atia keeps coming back to you need to build strength because with every successive decade in the second half of life, you're losing massive amounts of muscle. You need to work on stability to prevent falls in the first place. And he says it's usually when you're taking a step down picture stepping down the stairs stepping down off of a a curb not stepping up which is going to tax your cardiovascular system more but when you have to put the brakes on when you're going down that's usually where people have problems and they fall he talks about quality sleep he talks about just going for long walks getting in the steps for what he calls zone two cardio it's it's that ability to to be able to uh, walk upstairs or go for a walk, play with with kids, grandkids, and not get winded. All of these are the best possible medicine. And when he and his research team came up with these results, he made them go back to the drawing board. He said that can't be right. Getting sleep, building your strength, building your bone muscle, or I'm sorry, your bone density, that can't be better than this prescription medication or that prescription medication. But but sure enough, it was. Now, do I think that people are going to hear this information and start, you know, being disciplined about their diet, their sleep, their exercise regimen? I think some will. I know I do, but but you know, week in, week out at Keystone Elder Law, I see people who can't lift themselves up out of a chair. 
I know that in the years ahead, they're not going to be able to use the bathroom by themselves because they can't lower themselves. They can't, you know, lower themselves down, stand back up without somebody helping them. And this goes to your independence, your health span, your quality of life, your dignity. And I don't know, when I see that and I hear those studies and I hear experts talk about these things, I take it upon myself to be as disciplined as I can. Sweet tooth, not notwithstanding, uh, my wife could tell you about uh, my weak spot for, for certain sweets, but um, you know, I'm working on the diet. I'm hitting the weights. Uh, I'm in my forties and I don't want to be that person who can't, uh, you know, go through life without help, without somebody holding me up. Um, and so if, if that's the best, the best medicine, I hope more people take advantage of it. But in the meantime, what else can you be doing and, and what legal planning, financial planning? Well, I, that's what I do these workshops for, so keystoneelderlaw.com, use the workshops tab. You can see the, the, the offerings. It's free education. And I just put the word out there because I don't want people to show up in my office in a crisis if it can be avoided. And I do see avoidable mistakes. And it all starts with knowing, I would say the most predictable threat for people is this long-term care because they, they do reach a point in life where they're not independent. They need a higher level of care. That's close to 70% of the population. Do you know the levels of care? Well, there's generally care in your home, and maybe friends and family will help out. That's traditionally how it was always done. But of course, now we're more mobile than we ever were before. So your children might live in California or Texas or wherever else. Uh, you know, we're not as, as connected to the people in our community. So if it's not an option, or if your family is just too busy, they have families of their own then you might need to call on home care agencies. And we have a number of outstanding home care agencies in South Central Pennsylvania. We've heard from at least one of them as on a previous episode of this show. And they will come in at a cost of about $25 to $30 an hour and help you through the activities of daily living. If you need help, you know, getting getting dressed, if you need help uh, having food prepared, remembering to take medication, maybe some some housekeeping. They'll help you with those things, and, and that's fantastic. And how expensive it ends up being just depends on how much help you need. When it becomes unsafe for you to be in your home because now your mobility is is not what it once was and, and you're a fall risk, or if, if cognitive decline has taken hold and going for a walk ends up with you not having any idea how to get home, or you're leaving the stove on and, and it's a fire risk, well, now maybe you need to move up a level of care. That's going to be either assisted living or a personal care community. And those are licensing terms, so you know, just don't get bogged down in that. But, but the, that middle level of care feels like a nice community where everything's done for you. You have socialization. You're around other people, which is its own form of medicine. That interaction, those forming of relationships, people end up liking it a lot better than they thought they would going into what they consider the old folks' home. But it, it turns out to be a wonderful place to get that extra care and support. Now, the cost there could be six, seven, eight thousand dollars a month. So let that sink in. How long is that plan going to work? And backing up from it, what kind of financial planning are you doing? Are you working with a financial advisor? And I'm not it. I'm your legal advisor, but there are experts in growing your wealth to stay ahead of costs like that. 
so that you have more options. And so at that level of care, Medicaid in Pennsylvania is not a safety net. It does not pay, but your long-term care insurance might pay for it if you have long-term care insurance. Uh, opinions on that subject are going to vary wildly, but if you if you got a policy while you were relatively young, it probably has pretty manageable premiums, and it might make sense if your financial advisor agrees to keep that because that will keep you at a lower level of care at a greater level of independence for a longer period of time. But if you have to go to the highest level of care, skilled nursing care, what I call the nursing home. So nursing home care is when you have multiple activities of daily living that are severely compromised. So maybe getting out of bed uh, requires having somebody else help you. Maybe your cognitive decline is very advanced and just getting through the day requires help from licensed nurses or licensed therapists. Uh, So you need the licensed skilled care there. And that's where it's going to cost right now about $13,000 every month. So either you did some outstanding financial planning or you're looking at Medicaid planning. And Medicaid planning means working back to do you even have a power of attorney? Does that power of attorney authorize asset protection so we can get all the money out of your name and get you eligible for Medicaid? Because you essentially have to go broke. That's the Medicaid rules. And and then we keep money in your family. That's where trust planning might come in. But you have to do it well before you're on the doorstep of the nursing home. Note one thing I haven't touched on. Medicare. It does not pay for your long-term care. So you have to have a plan knowing the levels of care, knowing how you're going to pay for it. More on this when I come back after a break. You're listening to the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580. Welcome back to the Later in Life Planning Show on News Radio WHP 580. Here's Patrick Colley. I'm back here on the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. My name is Patrick Cauley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law, and I'm talking today about knowing what you're planning for. And there, are, so much of it comes down to these declines in health, and it can happen in so many ways, from an accidental fall to cancer to loss of mobility to cognitive decline and there's all kinds of resources, and, and I've had many of them as, as guests on my show in previous episodes, uh, to, to prevent those declines from happening or to at least manage them when they do happen. But if you're working backwards from that information, if you're hearing those episodes of this show and you're thinking, well, what should I be doing now? That's what I've been talking about today. So... Before the break, I was talking about it's really helpful to know the levels of care that might come your way in the later years of life so that you can work backwards and either work with a financial advisor or at least do really good estate planning with asset protection built into it. And why do you work backwards from that? Because you have to know what the levels of care are, how much it's going to cost, and if Medicaid not Medicare, which does not pay for long-term care. Medicaid is the safety net for you. And especially figure if you have a a healthy spouse at home and you need nursing home care, how long can your spouse write checks for $13,000 every single month before your spouse is going to be just completely stressed out about going into poverty because 
you know, you got sick through no fault of your own. So knowing the levels of care, knowing how you're going to pay for it, I do a whole weekly workshop. Uh, this one isn't every week. It's it's at least once a month, though, on how these levels of care and how you're going to pay for it. But you're either going to get out your checkbook and write a, a check and, and pay privately. You're going to lose use long-term care insurance if you have it. Some veterans, and we have a lot of veterans in South Central PA, but only some of them qualify for something called aid and attendance, which will help, especially at the lower levels of care, keeping you in your home or helping to pay for assisted living. But most people are going to use, on a long enough timeline, Medicaid, especially if you are in skilled nursing care and it's costing $13,000 a month. And the law allows you to to take certain steps to protect assets so that your spouse at home does not plunge into poverty. And, you know, you can save all of your life savings for the spouse to live on. What if they have another 20 years of good health while you're in the nursing home? You want them to have the resources to live on. It's what you saved your money for. Uh, This, by the way, when I, I mentioned those Facebook ads for the workshops I do, this is this will usually get a rise for some reason out of people who work in the nursing homes who say, hey, if everybody goes on Medicaid, then we won't have enough money to operate these facilities and provide the necessary care. And I, I hope that they're listening because I want them to know that nothing would make me happier in the legal realm than to see the legislature actually increase the amount of funding through Medicaid Uh, especially with the demographic changes, with the baby boomers getting older and needing higher levels of care, it's long overdue that the nursing homes get greater reimbursement through Medicaid than they currently are. Right now, I think they're losing money on every person who's on Medicaid. It is the legal right of every single person to do Medicaid planning, just as it is the legal right of every person to ask their accountant about deductions, or credits they can take, so they're not paying the IRS any more money than is legally required. You're allowed to do the same thing when it comes to Medicaid planning. And, you know, so hearing somebody from a nursing home say nobody should go on Medicaid because then they won't have enough money to run the nursing home is kind of like somebody from the IRS saying, if everybody keeps taking these deductions, we're not going to have enough money to run the government. Well, okay. That's tell it to the lawmakers because they're the ones who have to adjust the funding rather than revisit it every 12 years. Uh, that that just sort of reflects they don't know how businesses operate because costs are not static. You know, payroll goes up, uh, utility costs go up, and you can't just set a reimbursement amount for Medicaid and then not revisit it for another 12 years or else businesses are going to go out of business. So, I, my heart goes out to the heroes providing great care in these care facilities, and I do want them to do well. Uh, but I'm looking out for the individual rights of people who who have maybe a spouse at home, and, and they well, let's all have a little bit of compassion here. We don't want people plunging into poverty because they had the nerve to get dementia, or they had an accidental fall leading to a lack of mobility. I mean, these things happen all the time. I see it week in and week out at Keystone Elder Law. So, you know, if we're doing Medicaid planning, what does that even look like? Well, your income, it's its three pillars. Income, resources, which just means your savings, the property you own, the money you have in an account. So income, resources, and gifting. 
Those are the three things that that are the pillars of getting eligible for Medicaid to pay that enormous cost once a month. And we're not just worried about getting you eligible for Medicaid. We're thinking down the road. When you pass away, unlike Medicare, for those, I I say tongue-in-cheek, lucky enough to just have heart disease or cancer and all of their treatment means going to the doctor or the hospital and Medicare is paying for that acute care, for those unlucky enough to need long-term care, there's something called estate recovery. What does that mean? It means the government goes after whatever's in your estate. What did you die owning? And they want to get paid back for all the care. So we worry about that as well. So your income is easy enough. Whatever Social Security or pension you get once a month goes straight to the nursing home. That's your patient pay responsibility. That won't come anywhere near paying the whole bill, but Medicaid will pay thousands of dollars on top of your income every single month. Then we go to the next category, resources. Everything you have in savings, everything that you own, it basically you have to go broke. Those are the Medicaid rules. Very, very different from Medicare where they just pay the bill for your doctor visit without, they don't care if you have a beach house, they don't care if you have you know, $3 million, they're just paying the bill. But with Medicaid, you have to basically go broke. Now, if you have a spouse at home, the goal is to save as close to 100% of what you've saved together for the spouse at home. And it is possible, but we have to, and, and you know, they'll overlook your house. So people say, well, the nursing home is going to take my house. The nursing home's not going to take your house. The government will in a state recovery. So if you're single and you own a house, we if you want to save the entire value of that house, let's say for children, the only way to do that is to put it into an asset protection trust, and you need to do it well before you go into the nursing home. So if you, or even if you're married and you have, uh, let's say you have your house, but you also have secondary property or properties, you're not allowed to have those and get eligible for work for uh, Medicaid. They will overlook your primary residence for eligibility. But then there's the concern about will the government say sell that house when you're gone, give the government all the money, and it's not going to your kids. And and if you have multiple properties, in other words, not just your primary residence, you can't even get eligible for Medicaid, so you would have to sell those properties. So even for married couples, if it's really important that the actual property be preserved for your family, the only way to preserve that is get it out of your name and into a trust well in advance of needing Medicaid. So otherwise, we're, we're, we're going through a number of steps to get into your IRAs, to get into your 401k, uh, to empty out your bank accounts, and then get all the money to your spouse, or if you don't have a spouse, to children perhaps. Um, but the third rule is gifting. So they look back 60 months five years, and they want to see, did you transfer anything out of your name? And if so, they compute a number of days you have to go and pay privately at 13000 a month before Medicaid will kick in. So understanding how this process works, understanding, I mean, gifting alone could be a whole episode of this show because of all the questions I've heard about, you know, does this count? Does that count? But understanding that you, you, you know how Medicaid works. It's income, resources, and gifting. And, and if you're allowed to have your primary residence, but if you die owning it, the government is going to say, sell that house and give us all the money, you want to work backwards from that. So know what you're planning for. 
what kind of a plan would you come up with if you could work back for, backwards from the realization that nearly 70% of people need a higher level of care? Medicaid is one of those ways, especially at, at the level of the nursing home, to pay for that care. And Medicaid has these crazy rules involving income, resources, gifting, and you have to go broke. How do you protect your assets working backwards from there? That's what I'll talk about, not only in the workshops that I do. I, I do these every week. Usually I'm talking about Medicaid, at it, regardless of the, to- the topic. I get into this. I talk about it, know what you're planning for. Um, but it's what I'll talk about when I come back from the break as well. You, you understand this is where things are headed for a huge percentage of the population. So what can you be doing in the meantime? That's what we'll talk about in a moment. I'll be right back with more on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law here on News Radio WHP 580. It's the Later in Life Planning Show here on News Radio WHP 580. Now your host, Patrick Colley. We're back on the Later in Life Planning Show sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. I'm your host, Patrick Colley. I'm the owner of Keystone Elder Law, and I'm speaking today about the importance of knowing what you're planning for. And I started out the episode pointing out that, look, previous episodes of this show have gone into great depth with subject matter experts on everything from dementia to cardiovascular disease to uh, the, the impact of having an accidental fall. And every one of them had some element of prevention. And there's there's all kinds of health-related issues and, and things you can be doing to minimize your risk of losing your independence, losing your dignity, uh, having to, to leave your home and move into a higher level of care uh, in, a, in a community or a facility. Uh, and along the way, you know, it there's a there's a price tag to all of that. There there are levels of care, and and the the higher the level of care, the more expensive it gets. You have to understand that so that you can take action in any number of ways. And and hopefully you're listening to this uh, to gather information so that you can actually do something with that information. But you know, one way to to build a shield to protect yourself from the challenges and the costs in the later years of life is you can you can make lifestyle choices you know whether it's sleep diet exercise that's certainly one way to bulletproof your longevity and your health span your quality of life there's financial planning that you can be doing again i'm not the person to do that for you at keystone elder law but there's there are financial advisors we've had them as guests on this show and they can chart out what your likely costs are going to be and then they can grow your money to stay ahead of those costs you know and that just provides more more freedom more flexibility in your options but ultimately you know you have to have a legal planning and legal plan and this is where your estate planning is is not just checking a box it's not just saying, well, I got that done, you know, I'm going to move on to the next thing I need to do, you really, it's something you revisit. It's something that should do particular things for you. It should anticipate that there are predictable threats and we're going to build a shield to protect against those threats. So what am I talking about? I I spoke before the break about how Medicaid works for long-term care because if you're not doing the financial planning, if you're not if you if you don't have long-term care insurance, if you're not one of the the subset of veterans who has a benefit to pay for long-term care, then 
really, if you can't pay $13,000 every single month, you're looking at Medicaid, not Medicare, Medicaid to pay for long-term care. So I described how that works, income, resources, gifting, making sure that you don't die owning a house or something or, or other uh property that could be taken by the government when from your estate when you pass away that's a state recovery all part of medicaid so comprehensive medicaid planning really starts well in advance of a decline in health and here are the key parts of an estate plan as far as i'm concerned so you know first of all your power of attorney everybody should have a power of attorney just for incapacity planning. So if I can't deal with an insurance company, if I can't deal with a bank, if I can't change the title on a vehicle or sell property or buy property for that matter, somebody else has to be authorized to stand in my shoes legally and and conduct business as if they're me and and the financial institution or the the insurance company has to deal with me. So that's that's the whole point of a power of attorney and that's in my opinion the most important piece because if you don't have an incapacity plan, if you don't have a way to manage and preserve property while you're alive, your will might be meaningless. Your will is just how to distribute what you had when you died. Well, there might not be anything, especially with long-term care costs. So The power of attorney is pretty crucial. Inside the power of attorney, after you name the person who's acting on your behalf, you're going to have pages of these paragraphs listing the authority that what that person can do for you. Look for, if you have a power of attorney, the language about the power to make gifts. And don't don't get too hung up on the word gifts and what you expect that to mean. What that is is asset protection. It's get get money out of my name if that qualifies me for Medicaid. Keep it in my family. Or if you're working with a financial advisor, maybe you get money out of my name to avoid taxes. But that's asset protection. And what I need to see in there, and a lot of attorneys who, who are not elder law attorneys, and frankly, there are not enough elder law attorneys, but they don't understand how this works when it comes to asset protection. They don't understand how this works for long-term care planning And so they don't have the language in there for asset protection. What you need is unlimited gifting power. So if I need to get eligible for Medicaid, get all the money out of my name. And a lot of them just, I I don't know, they get a weird feeling about why would I want somebody to give all your money away? Well, that's precisely how we're going to save everything. Hundreds of thousands of dollars we might save just because you thought to allow someone to engage in asset protection through unlimited transfers of money out of your name. And even if you go to one of the other common tools, a will, well, does your will just say, you know, people will call our office sometimes and say, I just need a simple will. Okay, how simple is your life? Because a simple will might be something like, well, I'm just going to leave everything to my spouse And if my spouse has already died, then to my three wonderful children in equal shares. Okay, I could do that in about two pages, but what does that really do for you? Is that going to work for your life? Well, what if you die and your spouse is on Medicaid? What if we specifically picked up the power of attorney with that unlimited gifting authority and got all of the money into your name and then your wife is getting the uh, uh, care she needs in a nursing home, and then you suddenly pass away. Well, with a simple will, all of the money that is now in your name is going to your wife. Medicaid goes away because she has way too much money to qualify anymore. All the money is going to go to a nursing home, nothing left for the three kids. 
So building in a trust inside your will that just says, hold on, before you give my money to my spouse, just ask if my spouse is on Medicaid for long-term care. If the answer is yes, hold that money in a in a uh, little pot of money. One of the kids can hold the purse strings, use that money to pay for things, buy things for my surviving spouse to enhance their quality of life, but don't give it to them outright because then it's just going straight to the nursing home. So and if you actually have that pot of money and somebody else holds the purse strings, the government's going to say, okay, the surviving spouse is still broke, Then, so Medicaid will continue to pay for the care, and the money in the pot of money is just there to enhance the quality of life of that surviving spouse. And when you're both gone, there will actually be something to go to the three kids. This is just common sense asset protection that is it's born out of the experience of seeing people face these predictable threats. And we come up with solutions to preserve your goals, to preserve what you've saved for your family. The one other tool is an asset protection trust. As I already said, if you're not allowed to have additional properties that are not your primary residence, even if you're single, if you don't have a spouse and you know they're going to take your house if you die owning it and they're going to say, give us all that money, it's not going to your kids, that's coming back to the government, uh, you need to use an asset protection trust. You put the money into the trust as long as you do it long before you need long-term care, namely five or more years, then it's completely off the table. All of it, 100% preserved from these Medicaid rules. This is what common sense asset protection and estate planning looks like when you know what you're planning for. You know the levels of care. You know how common it is to need a higher level of care because A decline in health is just so common in the later years of life. So these are, you know, and these same considerations, by the way, it's not just protecting what you have from your predictable threats, but it also comes into play for protecting children from their threats. So maybe that trust built inside your will or the asset protection trust that you create during your lifetime, maybe that supports a child without giving them money directly. Maybe the child has creditors. Maybe the child has an addiction. Maybe the child just has very poor spending habits. They get money, they spend money. If you want them to always have a place to live, maybe you leave money, but it's in trust. Somebody else pays the rent directly rather than giving it to the child who will squander it or worse. This is smart middle-class estate planning and asset protection. So if if any of this is ringing a bell for you, the, the common phenomenon of declines in health, the the levels of care, uh, protecting against it, protecting what you have, having a seamless plan, but one that also shields you from expenses and challenges in the later years of life. Go to keystoneelderlaw.com, check out the workshops tab, get signed up for the next workshop on estate planning and asset protection or long-term care planning, because this is really what it comes down to. It's not a check the box. I got it done. I have the documents. No, it's a plan. The documents are just how the plan takes form. What do those documents actually do for you? What are they anticipating? So please take action. There's a lot of resources out there, but they're meant not just to educate you, but to to inspire you to take action that makes sense for your family. This has been the Later in Life Planning Show, sponsored by Keystone Elder Law. We'll do it again next week. I hope you'll join us here on News Radio, WHP 580.